God, we thank you for the opportunity to make things new. God, we thank, thank you today for not just spinning the world and hoping we do okay like an ant farm down here, but coming to earth and then leaving your spirit to be with us. Would you be with us today? Would you lead us? Would you move us? Those who are doubting, those who are just kind of faking it, maybe here for one reason or the other, um, God, would you give them a deep breath today? Would you speak into our lives so that we can not only hear, but that we can go, that we can do because of what we hear. In your son's name we pray. Amen. As you know, um, I am excited about 2015. I believe this could be um, a real milestone year for us at New Life. One of the things that God has been continuing to do here at New Life is draw more people. I wish, and we are going to do this in 2015, I have not done it in the past. I wish I could tell you exactly how many faces we've seen in this building in, in 2014. I would love to get to 2016 and be able to say, here's how many faces we saw in 2015. Not because that's why we do what we do, but because we believe that God is drawing people to this place. We believe that when people get up in the morning, and you may be one of them today, or you may be listening online today, um, and God is drawing you to this place, not because there's something here that is better than, than anything else, but because He's here and because we have dedicated what we do to Him. And um, it's, it's causing some major growth pains. Um, and we, we've, we've got all kinds of things that we're trying to work out around here because we have more kids in the building than we've ever had. We have more of adults in the building than we've had recently, and things are crazy, and we're excited. And we need your help, but here's the thing. We don't only need your help. You need to be a part of what we're doing around here. And so over the next few weeks, I want to kind of explain um, the way God expects and the way God intends for you to do your life. It, some of this is not going to be a surprise to you, and some of it is going to be downright a shock um, when we hit this. Now, as you know, um, one of the things I do when I preach is try to try to have you leave with something you can do about what you hear, because I think it's really dangerous for us to just come in here, sit like zombies, and listen and hear the word and not do something with it. So I do, actually, at the end of every sermon, um, I, when I'm writing my sermon, at the end of everything, I, I literally think of handles. What can I put on what I'm saying today that you can pick up and carry out of here? That What handles do we have that you can do something? So we're going to have some real specific things that you can walk out of here with today, if you want. And I want to talk about First, I want to remind you um, about what we believe church is here. And some of you have been here a long time. Some of you um, have, have been new this year, and you need to know what, you th what we're doing around here, what we believe it is. One of the things that we believe is that God doesn't take attendance. I love this picture. Um, this is a good picture of American church. Um, in America, in, in, especially in the Bible Belt, there is a sense that um, somehow we believe that God takes attendance, that somehow he has a little calendar up there and he's checkmarking the days that you've been to church. The truth is, obviously, we want you here on Sundays and God wants you here on Sundays. But the truth is, in America, what we've done is we've replaced a relationship with God with church attendance. And it sometimes, sometimes church attendance, sometimes just going to church is actually keeping you from having the relationship with God that he intends for you to have because you think you've just, your job is just to sit here and zombie and walk away. And many of you do that, and many of you have done that your whole life. In fact, some of us grew up, some of, some of us grew up with, with family, maybe with a dad who never missed church, 
Never missed church. Now, he missed your football game, your basketball game, your soccer game. He missed your stuff. He missed family meetings. He missed family holidays, but he never missed church. And you, if you could say something to your dad right now, it might be something like, Dad, I wish you'd have missed a little more church and a little less of my games and my stuff. Some of you grew up in a place where church was so important that it replaced God. That, that really what you thought church, God was was church and church was God and the, it got real hazy. And so you come to church on Sunday and you get mad at each other and the family would be mad. And no matter what, we're going to go to church and we're going to be who people think we are. And then uh, Monday through Saturday, you look for any evidence that you ever went to church or you've ever been to church. And the truth is, God does not take attendance. And in America, we have a scary problem with church where we have replaced it with a relationship with God. Where we just show up, we sit in rows, and we listen. And, and here's the thing about it. If you come in here every week, and many of you know this, um, I work really hard on these sermons, and I plan really hard, and I believe God has, has challenged me and gifted me to speak here. But what I say will not change your life. It won't. What you do with what God says through me is what changes your life. And in 2015, I want to bridge that gap. I want to hit it hard. Here's what Jesus says about it. Jesus was standing on a mountain, and he preached this sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And if you're not a church person, you've probably never heard of it. If you are a church person, you've heard of it so many times that you could probably recite some of it. The problem is, a lot of people know what Jesus said, but they never do what Jesus says because it's so hard. But here's what he said. He, he was standing on a mountain at the end of this sermon, and, and he's talking to all these people, church people and not church people, and he says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, because here's what they did. They all did what you do. This is what we do in America. Something good is said, and maybe it convicts you, or maybe it just sounds good, it's poetic, and you go, mmm, oh, mmm. And that's kind of like your heart going, man, that resonates with me, that hits me, and that happened to Jesus. And he said, so all of you who hear these words of mine, maybe you go, mmm. And if it was a black church or if it was a, um, a different cultural church, you know, the, the southern churches down south are some of the most best places in the world to preach in. I absolutely love to preach in some of my friends' churches who, who are in um, the uh, African-American churches down south. Man, you say one good thing. Good morning. Amen, brother. That's all it is. Good morning, church. Amen. And it's just constant. Here it's a little less of that, a little more, mm, you know. Um, but whatever it is, Jesus had the same thing. People kind of nodding and smiling and be resonating with what he says. And he says this, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, not just listens to them, is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And you've heard this. If you grew up in church, you even know a little song. A wise man built his house upon a rock. A wise man, and he built his house upon a rock. A wise man built his house upon the rock. And when the rains came down and the, the floods came up, the house on the rock stood firm. Jesus says, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, and does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And then he, he pauses. Jesus is really good at this when he tells a story. You can just, you can hear it in the way he talks. People were moved by the way he talks. And he started looking in the eyes of people. He said, I, I know, I know it's easy for you to come to church. Maybe it's not easy, but I know it's easy for you to, he's talking to these people, for you to surround me and listen to my words. I'm going to feed you, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make you feel good. I'm going to give you a little cold chill with a story or a warm heart. And he said, it's real easy, but the problem is, if you don't do something with what you're here, you're like the 
the fool in this scenario who builds his house on sand and it looks good and it seems good and when Sunday morning comes around you feel good because there's emotion and there's songs and people are hugging and it's great but when the storms come when the wind blows against your life some of you have had that in 2014 when the storms come and the wind blows against your life the house on the sand that is built on nothing but church attendance crashes In fact, Jesus says it this way. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. My guess is Jesus looked at faces that he knew the kind of winds, the kind of rains, the kind of storms that they've had in their lives. And he says, it beat against their lives, it beat against their house, and it fell with a great crash. You know what that great crash feels like, don't you? I put a few pictures up there of great crashes in your life. An addiction, a relationship, maybe money problems, where you have, you have just taken on your own thing and you've done whatever you wanted to do and you've ruined a marriage. And some of you are back in church now to say, I'm not doing that again. I'm not going to do that again. So I'm going to go and I'm going to listen to the preacher. I'm just going to sit in the pew and I'm going to listen to the preacher and I'm going to hope that something the preacher says will fill me up so much that it'll change the way I live. And then it'll make different. It'll make something different. And then, then you say, you know, our money, money has just been an issue for me my entire life, and it's caused great crash. Maybe I've gone bankrupt. Maybe I've had these major issues in my life because of money. And I'm going to go to the church, so if I just show up at church, maybe something will change. And I've got to tell you, as a preacher, as a guy who's been doing this now a pretty long time, I am so tired. I'm just tired of seeing the storms come. The rain rise up in life. The wind blowing against your life. And those people who sit in the pew Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and go, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah, I'm I'm tired of seeing the crash. And I believe, I know why. I believe I know why we can be here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and crash our lives the same way the rest of the world crashes their lives. It's... It's the same thing Jesus said. It's because we listen, but we don't, we don't take it to the next level. We don't do. And so this series is about doing. It's about going. It's about moving. Now, all of us have a room like this at some point in our lives. This is a treadmill. Believe it or not, under all those clothes somewhere is a treadmill. You've, you've been here before, right? And there's never a time in your life where you feel more healthy. If you've ever bought a treadmill, never a time in your life where you feel more healthy than the day you shell out 500 bones for a treadmill. You feel immediately healthier. You give the, 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 the cashier the money and you just you put it in the back of your truck and you already feel healthier as you sit down on your couch and look at the box. But the truth is you're not any healthier. You're not any healthier until you do it. Just, just actually buying it, just actually thinking about it doesn't do anything for you. The truth is, hearing and then doing are what make the difference. I know this seems simple, and I know it's not a profound thought, but if we actually took this sincerely, if we actually started making changes to the way we live our lives, not just listening, what if this actually, what if, what if you took these handles that I talked about every Sunday, and you walked home and you actually did this, I know some of you are looking at me like, man, John, I don't need anything else to do. I come to church to get a break. I want you to know there are all kinds of churches throughout this area and throughout America where you can go to get a break. This is not one of them. 
And in 2015, we're going to be about doing. We're going to be about doing and going and being the kinds of people that God intends for us to be and not just listening. James is the brother of Jesus. Can you imagine being the brother of Jesus? Wouldn't that have been crazy? He's a brother of Jesus. One thing I know about my brother is that um, my brother's not a preacher. He couldn't be any different than I am in that way. Um, he and I are a lot not alike in a lot of ways. And we totally love each other, and we do anything for each other, but we are completely different. And one of the things about my brother, he's been to this church a few times, and, and he loves this church, but he's not real sure about the preacher. And, um, and uh, he loves me, but can you imagine listening to your brother who's, who is told you lies your whole life and made fun of you and done things and messed up and you've seen him throw you under the bus in front of your parents and all that stuff. Can you imagine sitting in a pew and listening to him preach? I don't blame my brother, you know what I'm saying, for not being here. Jesus and James had the same thing. James had to watch Jesus. Now, Jesus didn't do the things that I've done to my brother, but still you get that sibling rivalry, you get that just annoying level of things. James had every reason to walk away from Jesus and say, I don't care about you, I don't want to listen to you. I don't believe you are God. Can you imagine being the brother of Jesus? Oh, you're God now. Is that right? Can you imagine? Well, guess who was one of Jesus' biggest fans? And not only that, but who believed in Jesus' divine nature. This is one of the reasons I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, because his own brother believed it, and that's a big deal. James says this. After Jesus um, rose from the dead and after he'd said all these things, James says, do not merely listen to the word. And look at this. This is so practical for us. Don't merely listen to this stuff and so deceive yourself. Isn't that interesting? How did he know that we do this? Here's what you do. You come in. I, I do this all the time. When I, when I run, I listen to a podcast where I hear these sermons, and I'm running like mile two. I start like changing my life with these things I'm hearing. I'm so excited, and the endorphins are kicking in from running, and I hear this preacher in my brain telling me I need to do this, and I need to do this, and I need to do this, and by mile four, I have changed the world. I have started getting up early. I've done all these things, but the end of my run, I've completely forgotten about the sermon. It's the same thing you do. It's the same thing I do all the time. And James says, don't deceive yourself by merely listening. You know what that means? It means you think when the storms come, that your house is built on foundation. But the truth is, you've deceived yourself. If you're just listening and you're not doing, you're lying to yourself. He says, stop deceiving yourself and do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone, I love this, who looks at his face in the mirror. Now, at this point, you need to understand the word there is not mirror. Um, in Greek. It's, that's, a, that's a word that, that they've translated for mere for us. But very, very few people at this time in history, when James wrote this, had ever seen their face in the mirror. Can you imagine living your whole life and never actually seeing a good reflection of you? Really, the only way that you could see yourself, were, there were really two ways. One is you'd get a bucket of water, and you've seen this in movies and stuff. Get a bucket of water, and you'd peer over a, a, the bucket of water, and you could see enough of yourself to see if things were really bad, you know? Um, or if you had a piece of bronze, um, you might shine it, and you can just imagine what you might look like in a reflection in a piece of bronze. But truth is, not very many people had a mirror at this point. The word here is mirror for us, but for them it was like, just if you saw your reflection. But I'd like to ask you today, what, what, what do you do in the mornings? Actually, I know what you do in the mornings. I know what my wife does. I know what I do in the mornings. I get up in the morning. I, I walk into the bathroom. And I try not to look in the mirror until I absolutely have to. Finally, I get the gumption and go, my goodness. 
And now this thing that I've got going on now, this hairdo, it's the latest lipstick on the pig I'm trying. And it's, it's got so much goop in it, you know, and stuff to keep it like this, that when I go to sleep at night and I get up in the morning and all that goop is gone and a little bit's left, it's like, I mean, it looks like an architectural display. At a, and <laughs> Reese runs to my bedroom in the morning to see what I look like because it's so funny to him. And I look in the mirror and just go, whoa, you know, I, I, got, I got to do something with that. James says, Merely listening and not doing anything with the things that we talk about here at church and the things that God tells us to do is like getting up in the morning, looking in the mirror and going, wow, that is a mess. And then going, see you after work, honey. (laughs) And just going to work. Now, I'd like to take it a step further. When you get to work and your hair's a mess and you haven't shaved for weeks and you look like a bloody mess and somebody, you walk up to somebody and they look at you a little weird and then you say, man, I need, I need you to pray for me. Well, why do you need me to pray? I need you to pray that I'll shave. I need you to pray that I'll do something with this mop of hair in the mornings. And the person goes, what? Why don't you just do? Why don't you just comb your hair? Why don't you just shave? No, 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 no. I just want you to pray. This is what we do. Do you understand that? If you're, now, if you're not a Christian here, you're not a Jesus follower, you get a little break from this. But if you're a Jesus follower, do you know this is what we do? We listen, we hear, we get to see what we look like on Sunday mornings. We get to see what our life's like. And then we go, and rather than doing something about it, we, put, we ask people to put us on the prayer list. Would you help me with this? Would you pray that God fixes this? Would you pray that this happens? Now, sometimes it's just time to do. And James says, nobody would do that. Nobody looks at themselves in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets that they look like a mess. One of the things I'd love for you to be dedicated to, and I'm dedicated as your preacher, is this year, not just listening, but doing. In fact, I, I would be so committed to that that I, I'd like to ask you, if you can't listen and do, and I've been this place in my life, maybe you've been there too, where things are so busy in your life, things are so awful. I went through a divorce in my life one time, and I, I go to church, and I go through the worship service, and the worship service would make me so emotional that I couldn't listen to the sermon. And I sat there long enough that I realized this is not good for me to sit and listen and pretend that I get this stuff. And then, so I just, I had to just walk out. And I'm telling you, if you're listening online right now, or you're in this room today, in 2015, if you sit in the pew and have no intention, if you listen to this stuff and have no intention of actually doing what is said, what has been said here, then you need to stop listening because it's more dangerous for you than you might know to be desensitized to the Word of God. The thing about the mirror is that we stand in the mirror until it gets fixed. In in the real world, you get no credit for looking in the mirror. (laughs) And what you need to do is do something about what you see. That's what I can't wait to do this year. I cannot wait this year for the cigarettes to finally get taken out of your life. For the chew to finally get thrown away for good. For the relationships, the broken marriages in this place that right now are uncomfortable with me saying that phrase because you haven't talked about it at home but you know your relationship isn't healthy and you've pretended it is. I cannot wait to get those right this year. Because if you're dedicated to not only listening, but to do, it'll change who you are. In the real world, you get no credit for looking in the mirror. James says this, check this out. And this is where 
I'm going to end the sermon today and, and what I want to challenge you with. James says this, but whoever looks intently, <laughs> it's funny, a few years ago my mother-in-law wanted one of those mirrors, and I didn't even know these things existed, but a magnifying mirror, women know these things, magnifying mirror that has a little light on it, holy cow, we looked everywhere to get the one she wanted for Christmas, and we got it, and I turned that thing on, and it was like, boo, nobody should see their face that close up. But the idea is, if you, can, if you can grit and bear looking at yourself under that kind of light, with that kind of magnification, and you can fix yourself at that level of detail, that when people see you from a distance, it's going to look fine. That's the idea. That's the point, what James says right here. You need to do that. You need to look intently at your life. Into the, now, here's, here's where things get real fusing. Hang with me here, because if you've, if you've been around church long enough, this is not going to make sense to you unless we dig into it. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. Now, this is a strange phrase. In fact, when I was a kid, I, I used to think that the Bible, which, you know, is, when I was a kid, they were this thick, you know, and the thicker, the thicker your Bible was, the better Christian you were. Yeah, I remember that, you know. So let's see if we can carry the biggest Bible we can, and, you know, and loud thump sounds on the table. That means I've really studied, and, and we had these big Bibles, and, and I remember when I was a kid thinking, you know why? I don't know why there's so many words in the Bible, because really it all can be summarized on a three-by-five note card. No. <laughs> God, can I? No. God, could I do this with the? No. Yeah, but what? I want to have some fun over it. No. That's the way it felt to me as a kid. So to, to listen to James say that the law, that the, the Bible gives you freedom when I was a kid made no sense at all. It made no sense to me at all. In fact, it didn't make sense until I got older. And I, I started thinking about things like forgiveness. When, I remember hearing that the Bible, the law, says that, that we are to forgive at all costs. We are to forgive people. No matter how, what they've done, we're to forgive. And what my heart says is to get revenge. And so that, that doesn't seem right. And I, freedom to me is get this out of me. But freedom to God is forgive. And as a kid, that seems stupid to me. It seems constricting, it's ridiculous that I, and then I realize later as I get older that actually when I forgive somebody, I'm giving a gift to myself because I'm not carrying it through my life. I run into many, many people who couldn't forgive their mom or couldn't forgive their dad or couldn't forgive their friend and now they're 50 years old and they're still harboring it and it has destroyed their lives. But because my mom and dad made me forgive and they pointed at the Bible and said, God says we forgive and I remember thinking, man, this is awful. And now I look at my life and I see freedom that comes with that. I remember when my dad sat with me. Dads, you need to have this talk real soon. My dad sat with me when I was 12 years old. 12-year-old boy. It's the only time I've ever seen my dad nervous, really. He, he had to have the talk with me. This is one of the hardest things for a guy to do, and I get it. My dad loved me enough to do it and not to fake it. He loved me enough to do it and not to mince words, not to make up new little phrases so that he didn't have to really explain it. He loved me enough to sit down and have this conversation and not just have this conversation, but to put guidelines on my life that at that point in my life constricted me. This is one of the places physically in my life, pornography was all over the place. I mean, my friends, every party I went to when I was 13, 14 years old, the boys brought, broke out the Playboys. I mean, now I can't imagine with all the websites, with all the websites stuff that's available. 
And I, I was supposed to say no when all my friends got to say yes. I had my first girlfriend and all my buddies were talking about things that my dad said no and the Bible said no. To me, James's comment about the law providing freedom was just laughable. And, until I got married. And I realized that one step at a time in purity leads to a certain kind of freedom that you can't ever, ever have without the rule. The truth is, freedom is about following God. This year, some of you need to be free. Those of you who are Jesus followers, those of you who I have put in that water myself, sometimes it's green, sometimes it's cold, sometimes it's hot, sometimes it's, it's unbearable, sometimes I get in the water and I already know what might come of what's going on in your life. Because somehow we have come to believe that it's church that makes the difference in our life. Or it's listening to the preacher that makes the difference in our life. When true freedom, when true real freedom only comes with listening and doing. So in 2015, if you want to be free, if you really want to be free, the way you get to freedom is by listening to the perfect law, by looking intently into the perfect law which will seem constrictive at the time. It will seem like, what in the world are you talking about, John? I've got to save 10%. I've got to give 10% of my money. And then I, don't forget, I've got to give 20 to 30% to the government sometimes. And then I'm supposed to live on the rest. That doesn't sound like freedom. That's what God wants me to do. Yeah, wait. If you can just do that, you'll be freer than most people in your neighborhood. This is the plan. To listen and to do. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, it's not just this Sunday, it's not just today, it's whoever decides to live this way, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, look at this. You want to be blessed? I don't even know what that means. Don't ask the preacher what blessed means. I don't know what when James says it, I don't know exactly what it means to be blessed. I, I'm, I, I know that giving somebody a big chunk of money is sometimes not a blessing. I know that, some, that, that just fixing somebody's problems is often not the answer and not a good blessing. But I don't know what it is, but I know if God says it, I want it. And the way you get to blessing from God is not by listening. It's not by showing up at church and putting in your dues. In fact, if you're doing that right now, if you're, if you're coming into this place on a regular basis with no intent of making a change in your life, let me just tell you something. I'm going to just tell you right up front. I, I love you, and we're going to have a, a friendship, but you're not going to like me this year. If you're going to keep coming in, whether you're a Christian or not, I mean, those of you who aren't Christians, I'm going to be real patient. I'm not patient with as, as, as Christians as I am with not. If you're not, you don't believe the same thing I believe, then I'm not, I can't hold you to it. But if you really want freedom, if you really want peace, if you really want hope, I am pouring my heart. The leaders here are pouring our hearts. My wife and, and the, 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 all the leaders that are working with the children's ministry, we're pouring our heart and our lives into delivering a message with the, to the children and to you that is not for you to just feel good about on a Sunday morning. And in 2015, it's going to get uncomfortable if you don't decide to go with what God has given you. 
There it is. Some of you have stopped. Some of you have just flat stopped. And I don't mean stop coming to church. I don't even mean stop serving. I mean some of you have gotten to an age in your life where you've decided spiritually you've retired. Some of you have gotten to a point in your life where you've decided it's just too much work. You've decided that the, the religion thing is too hard and you're right. And that's never what God intended in the first place. And, and that you've just kind of given up and you've stopped. I'm going to ask you in this sermon series to, to give us six weeks. It's a six-week sermon series called Go. And I'm going to ask you to give me six weeks to convince you that if you can every week be here, not because God takes attendance, because this, but because this is where you get that mirror that you look at pretty intently. <laughs> if you can be here for the next six weeks and then walk away with some things that you can do differently, you give me that six weeks and things haven't started to change in your life, then you go back to sitting in the pew however you want. This is what God intends for your life. I'm afraid that around here, you know, I preach like this. This is just who I am. I don't apologize for it. I, I hit hard on Sundays because this is the way we change our lives. But I'm afraid that that feeling of conviction, I'm afraid that that feeling of, oh, that felt really good because it hurt a little bit, I'm afraid that has replaced your relationship with God. And I want to stop it. We're going to go together. I want to, I want to show you something I that we've developed. You know, our logo is, is, is New Life, and it's the man with his, big, with his arms hanging out like this, and it's kind of this symbol of freedom and New Life, and our slogan is Real Life, Real Love, Real People. We have decided that our children deserve that same treatment, that same worth, and we've been doing it for a long time. This is not just a decision we just made recently. We're just going to shift gears. We're going we're gonna to shifted into a whole nother gear in 2015 and we need your help God has moved us in this place and has allowed these kids to come in and they're just they just keep coming to the point where you know Sunday morning sometimes they're just running all over our building and, and the truth is at times we feel like well they need to fix it or they parents need to whatever but the truth is God has gifted with them gifted us with these kids and we're going to do something about it so stay after in a little bit we're going to talk about how we're going to do it but we're starting a whole new effort called kids life we got new life for the adults and kids life for the kids and we are going to ask children and parents to do the same thing that your adults are doing in 2015 not we're not babysitting your kids during these services we're not in fact we're not just going to turn on a veggie tales and hope they don't get in trouble what we're going to do is let them see what God wants from their life and give them handles too that hopefully are in line with the same ones you're getting so that we can begin to make life changes together. If today you're sitting here going, I don't know what you're talking about, John. If you're sitting here going, I don't even know what to do to go. What do you mean go? Stay after church today. Sign up to help with kids' life. I've got a whole other list of things, ways you can do it here in a minute. If you can't figure out anything to do, sign up to help with Kids Life. You don't have to be a teacher. In fact, you don't even have to talk to a kid the way we've got this set up. We've got security. We've got set up um, for all of our stuff before and after the services. We've got all kinds of ways that we can go, that we can do, that we can, not, we can just stop talking and start doing. Kids Life. What we, one of the things we're going to do in 2015 is find a way for you to get into circles instead of just rows. We've talked about this before. That You know, church, the way God intended it, was never meant to be done just in rows like this. In fact, it would be laughable if Paul were to walk in right now, and it, it's not a bad thing. He would just go, well, hey, what are you guys doing? We're having church. No, you're not. <laughs> this is not church. 
Paul, yeah, it is. We all come in and we listen to the preacher. No, 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 no. Church, the way that it was originally done, was done in circles. Small groups of people who said, hey, what's going on in your life? Well, this is what's going on in my life. Well, what does the Bible say about that? And what should you do about it? And then I'm going to keep you accountable to it. And by the way, your gutters are leaking. I'll take care of that. And by the way, you have a little financial problem. You need some food. I'll take care of that. That was church. Now, we've created a new thing. And that's okay where we meet together and there's these rows and a preacher talks and we worship together. And that's good as long as we're also doing the circles. You understand? So what we want to do is provide opportunities for you to be in circles with other people. If you're a Christian today and you're trying to move forward to freedom in your life and you're trying to move forward to who God wants you to be in your life, you need to know that the next step for you is to be in a circle with somebody where you can do life together. If you don't believe me, just try it. I can't explain it. I believe wholeheartedly there is nothing magical about us sitting here. There's nothing spiritual about us sitting in rows. But there is something supernatural about doing life together in a small group of people. Something God blesses differently. And you need to try it. Whether it's getting involved in kids' life and getting in a group of people who are serving, whether it's coming to our women's ministry stuff, whether it's coming into to some of our Bible study stuff, which we'll be launching uh, again soon here in the spring. Whether, whatever it is, you need to find a way to stop doing church and doing God and doing life in rows and start in circles. The mall is always one of our issues around here, and we need help constantly. Go see Rick if you want to be a part of the mall. What's going to happen in my mind, hopefully, is that the mall and kids' life are going to start to just feel like the same thing. And every time kids walk into this building, it's going to feel like kids' life. And those kids that come on Wednesdays are going to start coming on Sundays. And the ones that are on Sundays may end up finding a way to get here on Wednesdays. And it's just going to be finding a way to get into this building, get fed with food and with the Word. Food ministry. We've got more. How many people we feed this year, Rick? Uh, over 70,000. 70,000 meals. Let me say that again. 70,000 thousand stinking meals because of the go in this place if that moves you then come see me afterwards and we need help we got to go pick up food from gleaners we have one group of people bud's been doing this stacy for i don't know how long they need breaks they need help we you need this you won't believe what it feels like to be in a van full of food that feeds thirty thousand people or thousand people it's an amazing feeling. It feels like go, and you need to be a part of it. The band. band. Rick is always looking for opportunities and people to serve and people to, to deal with the band. Go see Rick if you're interested in some, some way there. Our women's ministry is doing all kinds of things. What I want you to do right now, I, I've given you a few options. If none of these flip your trigger, if none of these get you excited, then come and see me right after the church, right after this service, and just say, hey, I didn't see anything up there. God's not put anything on my heart because we will talk until you have a place to go. Because I believe this year is about looking into the law, into the perfect rules, perfect law, the perfect plan that God has created, and getting freedom. And it comes not by listening. It comes not by sitting in a pew and going, hmm, yeah, uh-huh. It, it comes not by taking notes. It comes by listening and doing. And that's who we are in 2015. I'd like to ask the band to come on up. I want to give you a chance right now. I was going to give you a little piece of paper, and truthfully, the morning was so crazy. We got kids' stuff upstairs, and I was helping Risha up there. And, 
and we got the thing afterwards, and I was taking, I was writing, putting things in PowerPoint, and I didn't get it passed out, but I, I, if you've got a little piece of paper with you, or even your phone, something, here's what I want you to do right now, because I, I know you, and I know me, this is what we do. We go, yep, I'm going to go. Yep, I'm going to do. I'm going to stop. And then by one o'clock, middle of the Colts game, you're taking a nap, and this totally disappears. So find a place to write this down, whether it's your phone, or the back of the bulletin, find some, some place to write down one thing this week that you're going to take from from listening to doing. And whether that's helping with our children's ministry, maybe it's just as simple as, you know what, normally I just think of church as something I go to and then walk away. Maybe today I'll stay and listen to this whole children's ministry thing. Even if it's that simple today, I want you to write it down and I want you to, to make good on it today. Because here's the truth. I desperately want to see you free. I desperately want to drive the freedom quotient in this place up because I believe as we do that, it will draw more and more people to this place and we will know exactly what to feed them with. Would you stand with us and sing this song this morning? I'll be right back there in that corner if you need me for anything. Pray with you.